Amen. What a wonderful job that the kids did. I appreciate them so much, giving us such a clear message. You know, our hope is, I was thinking, uh, as George was singing, listening to him, our hope is not in a payment plan. Our hope is not in any kind of plan. It's not in a philosophy. It's not in some kind of payment. It's in a person. Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to look at the person of Jesus Christ as the way to heaven, as the Lamb of God. We've been looking at the greatness of God. and I want to take some time this morning to look at Him as the Lamb of God and how we are called to be lambs of God. And Turn with me to Isaiah 53. I'm just going to look at verses 3 through 7 as our reading, as we discuss the Lamb of God. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you grateful for the love shown us by the Lamb of God. Thank you how you turned us into little lambs, Lord. Thank you for um, George remembering Libby, God. Thank you for those who have been a blessing to us because of you and their lives. Father, uh, as we take time to look at you, O Lamb of God, speak to us. We need to hear from you, Lord. We, uh, like lambs, are helpless and hopeless and hapless. But you, as the great shepherd, know that. So pick us up, Lord. Take us to the pasture. And may there we know you follow you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I got to thinking about lambs. And quite frankly, they're not very intimidating, threatening characters. I thought about it with vehicles, you know. Ram tough. But you certainly don't hear... Lamb tough, because there's not much tough about a lamb. I mean, what is a lamb tough vehicle? It putters in your driveway and loves to stall in safe pasture of a house. And if it goes out, it doesn't make it back unless you go after it. Or a football team. I really thought about this. Think about, you know, you got Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions and you got the the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos, and I can go on. But, but you, there's no team named the Lambs. I mean, could you picture it now with a uniform? 
you know, woolly football pads and a woolly helmet and, and, and in the stands are going, bah! And, 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 and imagine this, the woolly bully. Boy, that's scary, isn't it? No. And to think about Jesus as the Lamb of God with all of His power, all of His strength, and all of His greatness, and yet He chose to be submissive, to come here in order to fulfill a task, and that is to go to the cross. As you look in the Scriptures, as you look at what uh, is said about a lamb, um, you can kind of march through here with me if you want to, just a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 22, great story. It's an account of a guy named Abraham, and God spoke to him uh, Starts out here in 22, he says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. It says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his servants, his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance. He said, the servants stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac. Sometimes we get a picture that Isaac was a little boy, but he was big enough to carry firewood on his back. So he wasn't a little boy. He was a young man. And it says, And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. There was a foreshadow there. And at the last moment where Abraham was about to plunge the knife into his precious son, his his only son, who he loved above all else, God said, Stop! I've heard you. You are faithful. Don't take his life. But that wouldn't happen later, would it? That's what our salvation is about. God didn't stop when He heard the cries of people who were broken and without hope that needed a lamb. Exodus chapter 12, we read more about lambs. God is about to free His people from Egypt, from the bondage, from the slavery. And a new celebration has started that's still honored among the Jews. Where it was time for them to head out. Before they headed out, God said, what you need to do, each household needs to take a lamb. And that lamb needs to be sacrificed before me and it needs to be prepared according to my statutes. And then it's to be cooked and and to be eaten. And then some of the blood from that lamb is to be placed on the doorpost of each household. And a death angel will come and the death angel will look for the blood on the door frames of the houses. And if the blood is not there, then that angel will enter into the homes and take the life of the firstborn son. 
And so the people that obeyed, that trusted God, they, 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 they prepared the lamb, they took the blood, they put it on the doorpost, and at that time the, the death angel passed over and there was great weeping and horror in the homes that did not listen to God's commands, that did not put the blood on the doorpost. And it was because of the sacrifice of a lamb. You see, that's what lambs were for. That's what they were thought about was sacrifice. Blood. Death. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In the New Testament. As Paul is talking to those believers in Corinth. Those believers who many did not leave, live clean, holy lives before God. And he reminds them about the Lamb of God who died for them and who they are to live for. Starting at verse 6, he says, Your boasting's not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. He's, what, what Paul is saying to these Corinthians, he says, remember that you have been set free, that you have been bought with a price, that the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, died on your behalf, and so you need to die to self, and you need to follow Him and let Him live through your life. You need to be set apart. You are set apart positionally where when God looks upon you, He sees Jesus and He receives you and He accepts you. But He says, but let the practice of your life match up with that. So that they coincide and that they go together instead of not go together. That, that, was, that was His heart. That was His call before them. That's what He was urging them to do. He said, this price was paid in full. And, and in the old covenant, in the old way, many lambs were sacrificed. And, and it was said that on that day of atonement that there was blood that just flowed throughout God's holy land. As sin had to be paid for. But there was a lamb, the lamb of God. Only one sacrifice on the cross. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It was paid for as the Passover lamb gave his life for you and me. Um, first John, I mean, in John chapter 1, verse 29, John, you know, the cousin of Jesus, he was speaking to his disciples and he pointed over at Jesus and he said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then turn with me to First Peter 1, 18 and 19. And we're reminded by Peter as he looks back, as he thinks about Jesus. And he, he shares in verses 18 and 19. For you know, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He's the Lamb of God. And Now we come back to our central passage, Isaiah 53. is 700 years before Christ walked the earth as man and ministered for those three years. 700 years before. And yet in Isaiah 53, it's like reading about Him when He was there. 
What words? Look at what it says about him. He was despised, guys. He was rejected by men. He knew what sorrows were about. He was a man of sorrows. He was familiar with suffering. He was not exempt from pain and suffering. It's just like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. But we esteemed him not. Look at this great, great section here. Verse 4. What powerful words. Surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him smitten by God, uh, stricken by him, afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we're healed. That's our hope. And, and look at our malady. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sins placed upon Jesus at the cross so that we're made free, so that we can get that ticket on the heaven express. So that is free. What does he say? Oppressed and afflicted, he did not open his mouth. He was what? Led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He willingly, without argument, went to the cross. He loved us so much, he was willing to do that. Now, the rest of this message, I want to look at four parallels that we can learn from the Lamb of God and that we need to learn as lambs of God that Jesus modeled for us and that we are to follow. The first one is that sheep depend on the shepherd and thus we are to depend upon our shepherd. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you guys quote it with me, I'm sure. Although I get mixed up about four different translations because you know, through the years you hear it to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. To trust Him, to follow Him. Jesus was one with the Father. He followed Him fully. And we're called to follow God. Because He's the shepherd and we're the sheep. We're the lambs. He's the leader. Uh, I read a story by Jeff Sims. He, he's a he's a preacher, and, and Jeff was when he was talking about trusting the shepherd. Uh, God spoke to him as he was his cat Madeline had a skin disease. He went to the vet. He got the special cat shampoo, and he was required once a week to give Madeline a bath. And one thing I've learned about cats: we have two cats that hate baths. We got this big black cat that we've named Shaquille. And that we're scared to give him a bath. He's strong, man. He'd tear us to pieces. So, uh, you know, we've got to take him somewhere where they can knock him out with a tranquilizer and bathe him and get him back to us, I guess. But anyway, Jeff talks about it. He said, man, that cat hated that. And, you know, it is humiliating for a cat. They have all this hair, and then you wet them down. They just look so pitiful. And, and, and he would talk about it. He said, man, Madeline hates this, God. I don't, I don't want to have to do this again. Madeline hates it. And he said, well, well, tell, tell Madeline, talk to her. Tell her, God, I don't speak cat talk. Well, just try. Try to tell Madeline, God, that's dumb. Madeline would never be able to understand what I'm trying to say. So he gives her the bath, puts her in a, in a cat carrier, puts a blanket that's supposed to soak the shampoo into her skin for a while. And he said, just talk to her. Just be honest with her. He says, God, she'll never understand. And then it clicked. God said to him, and neither did. 
will you totally until you're in my presence. But I do love you. It's for your good, Jeff. And it's for Madeline's good to get this cat bath that Madeline doesn't like. But God says to trust him. Jesus trusted him fully and we're called to follow too. Secondly here, Jesus is the Lamb of God was approachable. You know, he was called friend of sinners. He was criticized because he loved people too much. Cared about them too much. I think Jesus was always there with open arms. He knows us and loves us anyway. He knows you're miss and he doesn't walk out on you. That's our God. That's Jesus. To be approachable. We're called to be those kind of people. You think about it. Lambs aren't threatening. They're cute. And they're often at petting zoos and you want to be close to them. They're approachable. I've told this story uh, before, but I didn't grow up in church. And the church I became a believer through, God was working in my life. And I felt like God was calling me to vocational ministry. And so I talked to several people I trust. I talked to the pastor and his wife and, and other people. You know, what, how do you know when you're called? And so I felt confident that God was calling me to some type of vocational Christian ministry. I just didn't know what. So I went before the church, that invitation, that response time. Pastor, you know, met me down there. What are you doing? I said, I think God's called me to do some kind of Christian work. And so he prays with me, announces to the whole church, God has called Todd to preach. And I looked up at him and thought, I did not say that. And I'll just be quite honest with you. The guy, was he was a good preacher, good speaker. But when I looked at him, number one, he, he wore these designer clothes and he had enough, I couldn't buy that much hair gel. I mean, the hair looked like it would break if you touched it, you know. And, and uh, uh, he had on these Star Trek boots. You, know, you remember the old Star Trek show? And I mean, I looked up there and I thought, man, you know, he's, he's gifted God. But I thought, I can't be like that. Because at the time he was on a preacher, I knew, God, I cannot be like that. That is not me. I thought, no way. And, I, you know, I never felt really close to him. And then years later... Uh, my dad died. And one of the joys of being a preacher, I've gotten to preach my dad's funeral, my mom's funeral, my grandmother's funerals, some aunts and uncles are great. You know, but we came back home. See, and I got in a music uh, book, an old Scott Wesley Brown song, went into the sanctuary. Sat, she sat down at the piano and we started playing and singing because I thought about singing at the funeral too. And uh, here comes... My old pastor. Hadn't seen him a long time. He looks at me. And he simply comes over to me. And he embraces me. And begins to weep. And boy did my picture of him change. Suddenly he was very approachable. Although I appreciated his many sermons when I was younger, I'll always appreciate his hug. We are called to be approachable. 
Don't keep yourself so distant that people don't know who you are. Don't try to hide behind the idea that I have to be perfect. We're not that stupid. We know you're not. (laughs) And neither am I. But the call is to be approachable. Uh, Third, have a heart of innocence. Lambs are known for just being innocent creatures. And we are called to walk in holiness. First Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. We're called to be set apart. I love the old story of Frederick the Great, who was one of the old kings of Prussia. And he had visited one of the prisons, and he walked around talking to the different prisoners. And they gave him these long stories of endless misunderstanding, how they were all innocent, and how um, they were being treated unfairly and exploited. And finally, after he had visited a number of prisoners, he came to this one guy, and he looked at him, and the guy looked broken. He said, so I suppose you're innocent too. And he he looked up at the king and he said, I'm guilty and I deserve my punishment. And so the king called in the, the warden of the prison. And when the warden of the prison came, he said, release this rascal before he corrupts all these fine, innocent inmates. What happened? The king saw a man that was really repentant. That was really changed. That's what it's about, being set apart as a Lamb of God, when we understand the Lamb of God. He changes us. He makes us like Himself. And we understand not that we're holy, but that we're not holy, and that we need Him in our lives. It it changes us. And And that's the call, guys, to be innocent. We live in a world that's far from innocent. That God calls us to look at the pure, holy, without blemish, without defect, Lamb of God, and to be like Him. One last one, and I'm, I'm done here. Um, we are also called to be willing to sacrifice. After all, in the first century, what lambs were really known for was being a sacrifice. What were they good for? To place on an altar. Um, someone has said the problem with a living sacrifice is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. That's where Jesus willingly went and that's where he wants us to be. <laughs> I want to read to you. I thought this was funny. I found this. Uh, this is from a, a Reader's Digest article by Joe Wagner. He says, I was attending a junior stock show when a grand champion lamb owned by a little girl was being auctioned. As the bids reached $5 per pound, little girl, standing beside the lamb in the arena, began to cry. At $10, the tears were streaming down her face, and she clasped her arms tightly around the lamb's neck. The higher the bids rose, the more she cried. Finally, a local businessman bought the lamb for more than $1,000, but then announced that he was donating it to the little girl. The crowd applauded and cheered. 
Months later, I was judging some statewide essays when I came across one from a girl who told about the time her grand champion lamb had been auctioned. The prices began to get so high during the bidding, she wrote, I started to cry from happiness. She continued, The man who bought the lamb for so much more than I ever dreamed I would get returned the lamb to me. And when I got home, Daddy barbecued the lamb and it was really delicious. Uh, well, sometimes sacrifice is misunderstood. And I'm sure for many, Calvary was misunderstood when Jesus hung up on that cross. All they could think of was he claims to be God, but he doesn't come down from the cross. But those of us who have met Jesus, those of us who have experienced his changing power, Know that he's the real thing. And my call to you is to invite you, if you have not experienced Jesus, the sacrificial power given to take care of sin. Someone has said that the blood of Christ is the great, greatest detergent of all for human need. That's our Jesus. I would be amiss if I didn't give you an invitation or a chance to not merely say I've heard about him, but I've made him my Savior, my Lord. Those personal pronouns make all the difference. We're going to have in a moment a time we call invitation where we'll stand and sing. And if God's called you, I'll be here to pray with you. There's an altar to to pray at. Um, We simply want to give you an opportunity to do what God wants. Maybe you have heard something through the skit this morning. Or, you know, that wasn't by accident we sang when we all get to heaven. That's God's stuff, by the way. And then an opportunity to be reminded about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know what John said? He said, uh, he must increase, I must decrease. It's about lifting him up. A matter of fact, I thought of Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the invitation is, if you haven't met the Lamb of God, meet him today. Bow your heart and say, Jesus, Lamb of God, I want to be a Lamb of God. I want you to enter my life because you're the only way. It's not in a payment plan. It's not in a philosophy. It's in a person to come to Him. And if you already belong to Him, my call to you is that you follow Him. Little lamb, you need a shepherd to guide you each day. And you won't regret following him more than from a distance. Too often, I'm afraid, people come in to grace and miss so much of what he wants for us while we wait to get to heaven. Don't do that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, been good today to be in your presence. And Father, I pray in this time we call invitation that you, O oh God, would work. I don't know what you want to do in everyone's life here, but you know. So may you do that, Lord. Call us to you. Some of us need to come and pray at an altar. Maybe some of us need to share with the body of Christ a work you are doing. 
Father, uh, I don't know what exactly, but I do know this. You want people to come to know you personally through Jesus Christ. Do that, Father, if one here needs to trust you, the Lamb of God, and become a little lamb. Uh, For the rest of us, maybe there's some here, Lord, who mm, they're just not following the shepherd. I pray, Lord, that you would change that, Father. Today is the day. Work, Father, in your name we pray. Amen.